democracy can't just be about rights. It also has to be what it is we owe one another, our fellow citizens, what it is we owe our country. We hope that others will follow the, the same path. We are joined today with Dr. Richard Haas, author of such books as The World, A Brief Introduction, Intervention, The Bureaucratic Entrepreneur, and his latest book, The Bill of Obligations, The Ten Habits of Good Citizens. And and Dr. Haas, this really is cutting down to the, the issue of what is democracy? How do we continue to teach democracy? And I guess, what, what is the obligation of a citizen to make sure democracy is passed down to the next generation? Oh, a lot of good questions. My point is simply, and it's consistent with what you raised, is that democracy can't just be about rights. It also has to be what it is we owe one another, our fellow citizens, what it is we owe our, our country. Uh, and we hope that others will follow the, the same path. But if we only care about our rights, sooner or later those rights will come into conflict. Well, what then? How do we resolve our differences? We're obviously not very good at that. So what I'm interested in is encouraging certain attitudes, certain behaviors, where inevitable disagreements come up that Americans can figure out a way, perhaps of bridging them to get some useful things done and clearly avoiding not just gridlock, but avoiding violence. Well, it's interesting, Dr. House had an interview about a week ago, um, and someone was mentioning that beliefs and ideas separate us, but it's emotions and actions that bring us together. And that's really what the Bill of Obligations focus on, the actions and the emotions of citizens. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, people can write and do write all these learned articles and books and issue reports about all the political reforms that would make this country more governable, better off. And a lot of their ideas are, are, are quite good. The problem is their ideas are not going to be adopted. And that's essentially why I wrote this book, is what do we have to change about the environment or political context in which American politics are conducted in order for there to be any chance that useful policies can can be adopted or again at worst violence be uh be avoided that's what that's what this is about so dr haas why do, why do you think this focus on rights why is it not benefiting us well because again think about it rights inevitably conflict a woman's right to choose is powerfully felt by some on the other hand what about the rights of the unborn or someone's right to bear arms consistent with the second amendment what about someone else's right to to public safety or someone not wanting to get vaccinated but someone else's right to to public health well how do how do we deal with that how do we how do we deal with those differences how do we avoid a situation where it becomes all or nothing and those who lose out completely may say wow this system isn't working for me this political process isn't working for me at all i might as well turn to violence because compromise isn't an available option so i i think a, a rights based democracy or only rights-based democracy will, will not survive. Well, the, the Bill of Rights was trying to uh, cover up some of the flaws in our own Constitution, but the Bill of Rights itself, as you mentioned in the book, is, is a flawed document as well. Now, the Bill of Rights were basically part of a, a necessary compromise, another one of my obligations, in order to get people who were suspicious about a strong federal government to support this, this second constitution. The Articles in Confederation were obviously very weak, so the constitution called, created, called for the creation of a much stronger central government. A lot of people were fearful of that. We just fought a war of independence less than two decades before, so the Bill of Rights was meant to provide some reassurance. The problem is the reassurance was largely provided to states. So the Bill of, so the Bill of Rights did not protect individuals uh, from states, so women 
African Americans and others were did not have uh, the rights that ultimately they've now come to 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 have in this country. So I'd say the Bill of Rights were a step in the, in the right direction, but they were just that. They were also uh, they fell seriously short, and that's why, among other things, we ended up with the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendment, uh, subsequent amendments, and as well as a, g- a good deal of legislation. Well, the Bill of Rights uh, has has taken inspiration from the Ten Commandments, and you also seem to have in your Bill of Obligations, um, you have ten different obligations. Do you mind listing some of the ones that you felt were, were the most obvious to you? Yeah, I do have ten. From, you know, being informed, I think, is the most basic. I made it the first, and it's followed by getting involved, but I want people not just to get involved. I want them to be informed first. We've already talked about compromise, rejecting violence, civility. I, I do put a great emphasis on respecting government and government service. I would like there to be some form of national service in this country. I think it would break down some barriers with governments and also break down some barriers among Americans who, who lack for common experience. I'd like to see civics taught in every middle school and high school and be a condition of getting a college, uh, a college degree. So I, I have some very specific uh, pieces of advocacy that I, that I promote in this book. And there are, there are a lot of different ideas to digest in this book, but when it comes to actionable steps of try to force citizens to engage in this bill, do you have a different type of citizenship test? What, what are you asking of people to follow? I don't think in this country you can force or impose or mandate. The American instinct would be to resist that. I mean, some countries, for example, have mandatory voting. I don't believe that would fly here. The problem here is less than the midterms we just had. Only about 40, 45 percent of our eligible voters voted. What you have to do is encourage or incentivize. So I wouldn't mandate national service. I would encourage it with certain types of uh, economic awards, say loan forgiveness or, or training. Uh, I think that would be I think something like civics could be introduced in the school and could be made mandatory. You don't have to go to this or that university. Stanford, for example, next year is going to make civics required for all 1,700 of its freshmen. You don't have to go to Stanford, but if you go to Stanford, you're going to have to have to uh, study that. But in most cases, um, I'm talking about encouraging or rewarding certain behaviors. The ultimate the ultimate piece of influence we have in this society is who do we vote for, who do we vote against. And what I'm hoping is that politicians who put the country first, who show a willingness to, uh, to compromise, to who, who don't deny free and, free and fair elections, and so forth. That good behaviors get rewarded at the ballot box and bad behaviors get penalized. That, that's the ultimate way of turning things around here. There is one paradox, uh, Dr. Haas, with, with America, is that it's, it's a country that's based on the idea of free thought and independent thinking. So people are going to come to different conclusions about what it means to put country first or what norms are valued or what the common good is. So how do you try to square away all these different thoughts that are likely to to occur no matter what sort of change you try to implement? Look, you're right. That's always the case. On every issue of policy, my view is I don't advocate specific policies for the most part. I don't say this should be our policy on on guns or Ukraine or, or, or anything else. But I, I do argue that our policy conversations, debates have to be based on a foundation of facts. That's, that's essential. Without that, we're, we're totally uh, lost. I talk about the, the necessity of compromise and so forth. So uh, I don't know. Again, there's no magic solution, but my goal is not to do away with disagreements. It's to try to bound those disagreements so they don't spill over into violence. 
to make sure that the disagreements are based on facts. It's, uh, it's ridiculous that we're still having a conversation about the legitimacy of an election two, two years ago, which over 60 investigations showed to be free and fair and accurate. So, again, uh, I, I don't... I don't mind that there are differences. Of course, there are going to be differences on, on spending and taxation and immigration policy and a million other policies. That's what democracy is all about. And we argue these things out. My point is simply they've got to be argued out in a constructive way with facts at the, at the, the basis of it should be civil. Compromise should not be penalized and so forth. Well, democracy is something that is that is taught, and I think uh, it was something that a lot of us took for granted, and was probably we probably were shown how fragile it really was after the insurrection of twenty twenty one. Exactly. No, you're one hundred percent right, and I think that ought to be something of a wake up call. We ought not to be sanguine. The idea that just because American democracy has made it for nearly two and a half centuries, that somehow it's permanent. Well, history would suggest not. And history would suggest the greatest threat to American democracy is not some, you know, foreign invasion, if you will. It's ourselves. That we will fail to teach why it matters and what it takes to operate successfully, and more and more Americans will move away from it. And they will support politicians or parties or what have you, movements that are anti-democratic simply because they like some of the policy positions of that, not realizing that even if uh, they get some of the policies they want in the short run, in the long run, uh, their rights will suffer, their standard of living will suffer, their safety will suffer. Um, but I, you know, the lesson I take is we shouldn't be so sanguine. We shouldn't assume that, you know, anything, if you will, about the future. We've got a uh, democracy is hard, and it takes uh, it takes a lot of work. And you know, what I'm trying to argue is that uh, it should not be a spectator sport, and we shouldn't be passive about it. And this is an excellent book to start that conversation and reframe the perspectives. The Bill of Obligations, The Ten Habits of Good Citizens. We've been speaking with Dr. Richard Haas. Uh, Dr. Haas, where can people find you and the book online? Book online, Amazon, Capitan uh, Local Bookstores, Penguin Random House. But basically, uh, bookstores, Amazon, other online retailers, or Penguin Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, it's not hard to find, and it's uh, clearly some people are finding it. So that's... Uh, you know, I'm excited about having a real people reading it and having a real national conversation about these issues. Well, Dr. Haas, final question for you. What is something that a citizen could do tomorrow to start changing the conversation? That's a, it's a great question. I would say uh, get informed. Spend a little bit more time tomorrow. Maybe read a newspaper, read a second newspaper, go to a second station uh, outlet. But basically spend a little bit more time getting informed. you got this big debate coming up, say, about debt ceiling, whatever, we'll learn about some of those issues. And then once you come to an understanding of it, you may want to reach out to a congressman or to a senator and pressure them to vote in a certain way because you will understand what is at stake. But I think the beginning of citizenship is to be informed. Well, and thank you for helping us uh, reach that one more step at a time. Dr. Richard Haas, have a wonderful day, sir. Good. Thanks so much for having me. The Bill of Obligations, the 10 Habits of Good Citizens. We've been speaking with Dr. Richard Haas. The following interview was originally recorded February 2nd of 2023.